Hey all you listeners, it is December 9th, and what does December 9th 2021 mean? It's the season premiere of Lady History Season 2, and we are having a huge, huge merch sale to commemorate the day. Over at ladyhistorypod.com, all our merch for one day only, December 9th, we are having 50% off every single item. Need some more holiday gifts, like a rad-tastic t-shirt? We got you covered. Some stickers also have you covered there. So head over to ladyhistorypod.com for 50% off December 9th, 2021 only. This modern world of science and invention is of particular interest to women. Hello and welcome to the season two premiere of Lady History. I am once again joined by Lexi. Lexi, how many sisters do you have? I think the current count is almost 5,000, but I actually haven't checked the exact number and we just had some new sisters join, you know, this year. So I'd have to update that. I used to know the exact number back when I was crazy. (laughs) And Haley, how many sisters do you have? I have one sister. (laughs) And I'm Alana, and my sister's name is Dave. I love this. Who's been on the show. Who's been on the show twice and who doesn't listen to the show. Love it. I actually do have a question about sisters that Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask because this was so difficult for me to research because there were too many sisters that I wanted to talk about. Like, did y'all have, like, was that just me? Was that also me being too excited coming back for season two? My thing was, there are plenty of sisters who I could talk about separately, but I took this opportunity to talk about sisters who you cannot speak about without the other sister. You know what I mean? Okay. I did something similar, but I also just, like, really wanted to talk about these ladies. Look, I was going to do the Deschanel sisters, uh, Zoe. And Emily. and Emily, but oh, Zoe's oh, my favorite. Oh, I know. It People would have been amazing. Look like I could be the third Deschanel sister, by the way. That's amazing. That's I could an see that. Sure. Compliment. I truly got bangs on multiple occasions to look like Zoe. Well, when I was like 16, Zoe. I had bangs and wore vintage dresses, and they're like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. Yes. But I knew like I couldn't do that to myself and all of you all. Like, let's. You too, because you you two just have to deal with me. But that would have been the longest episode story I would have ever done. Also, 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 just that it's December and it's the season of watching Elf, which is Zoe in it. And she's yep. blonde with bang, somewhat bangs, like a side bang. So um, over the Thanksgiving extended-ish break we took. I, for a week and a couple days, went home, which was a big journey. And while I was there, my father insisted we watch King Richard, because my father has been obsessed with Will Smith since before I was born, which is fine. I was interested in seeing it because, you know, I, I like movies with a history plot. You know, I like to then pull apart how accurate it is and stuff. And uh, apparently that movie is quite accurate according to the Williams sisters. So that's kind of cool. 
Um, obviously, it's not perfect, but what can be perfect? That is to say, the sisters I will be covering today were inspired by watching that. Can you guess who I'm talking about? It's Venus and Serena Williams. I will say, I've been thinking about this. I think doing an episode on sisters and not talking about Venus and Serena would have been the same as like doing an episode about pilots and not talking about Amelia Earhart. Like, I feel like we, we had to. I mean, if you're going to mention like sister, like what sister combo is more notoriously sisters than them? Like, not only are they both famous, there's plenty of famous siblings, but they are like, their fame is intertwined in such a complicated way. I mean, Mary-Kate and Ashley might be the only other people. <laughs> I was about to say those two are pretty iconic as well. Yeah, but they've got a lot of problems. <laughs> so that, that might be the only other late 90s duo of sisters, but we could do an episode on twins and cover them. Anyway, so... The story of Venus and Serena Williams is long, complicated, and full of technical tennis terms that, quite frankly, I cannot understand because my knowledge of tennis is from high school gym class, and I'm not athletic. Therefore, I would like to warn everyone that this is a retelling of the Williams sisters in like a clip note style, kind of like how Haley does her vignettes, but this is slightly different. It is clip notes. That's my new method for getting through really hefty stories. And on top of that, these ladies are both still alive and active in their careers. So imagine how hefty their stories will be in 20 years, 30 years. I mean, because there's that much more to happen. So this is like a preview. Venus and Serena Williams are perhaps the most equally famous sisters in modern America. They were born on June 17th, 1980 and September 26th, 1981. But before that, their father had set in motion a plan that would shape their future. When the girls were just toddlers, their father, a former sharecropper, remember how recent in history that shit still is, started teaching them the basics of tennis. And that's because he found out that tennis was a cash cow. So he was like, my daughters will be good at tennis. And I respect his dedication to the hustle. So the young girls practiced on public tennis courts in Los Angeles near their home in Compton. In 1991, the entire family actually moved to Florida just so that Venus and Serena could train at the Delray Beach Tennis Academy. And so all their siblings and their parents just packed up and moved just for them. They trained relentlessly and when they debuted as professionals, they took the tennis world by storm. Both sisters received sponsorships from major brands within minutes of starting their careers. Despite being competitors, the sisters are extremely close. The first sister to win a title was Serena, who won the Grand Slam at the 1999 US Open. In 2000, Venus won the Wimbledon Grand Slam for the first time. Her sister celebrated with her that night and the next day they won doubles together. Being the top two players in the world, Venus and Serena have often faced each other for major titles. After the 2001 US Open, where Venus beat Serena in a one-on-one -on -one match, Venus said, I don't exactly feel that I've won. I just hate to see Serena lose, even against me. I'm the big sister. I make sure she has everything, even if I don't have anything. I love her and it's hard. The next year, Serena took the Wimbledon title for the first time. Together, the sisters have revolutionized tennis with their aggressive, strong play style. They have won 14 Grand Slam doubles titles, as well as Olympic gold doubles at both Sydney and Beijing. At Sydney, Venus also took home gold in singles. Serena took gold in singles during the London Olympics, making her the world's second woman to win a career Golden Slam. 
and the only to hold it in both the singles and doubles category. Both sisters have been noted for their unique sense of fashion, a venture they've pursued on and off the court. Notably, Serena made headlines in 2018 when she played the French Open in a body-tight cat suit to promote her new fashion brand. Beyond tennis success, the sisters have truly amazing lives. Serena is married to Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanian. Beyonce was one of their wedding guests, and Serena has been in several of her music videos. Serena and her husband have one daughter, Alexis Olympia Ohanian Jr. And I mention this because I think it's pretty cool that they made their daughter a junior. I don't love the junior thing. It's never been something that makes a lot of sense to me, but I love that they made the daughter a junior of the father's name. Like, And also as a fellow Alexis, amazing. But they do mainly call her Olympia. Also, I don't know if you guys know this, but her doll, the daughter's doll, became a viral internet sensation and like has animated memes made out of her. Serena also speaks three languages, English, French, and Spanish, and she's learning Italian. And she's given on-camera interviews in French. So all her French friends were like freaking out because it's a French open. She just started speaking French and they didn't know she could. And she gave all her interviews in French at the French open, wild. She also works as a guest voice actor. I did not know this before starting this research. She's appeared on several animated shows, including The Simpsons and Avatar The Last Airbender, which she has mentioned in numerous interviews is her favorite TV show. Isn't that so cute? I love Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't know, is that just me? She also was in The Legend of Korra, like, so she was in that whole series. Venus also has a life outside tennis. Venus has a degree in fashion from the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale and a BS in business administration from Indiana University East. Since earning her degrees, Venus has expressed interest in going back to school to get her MBA, and she's also participated in many business ventures. Both sisters have published books, and the pair are minority team owners for the Miami Dolphins. There's so much more I could have gone into, but that's the stuff I thought was interesting. I'm impressed that you're able to put so much information. I was like, no fluff on this story. Doesn't need it. List all facts. Like, I could have kept listing more facts about their tennis career, but like I said, I don't understand the technical terms of, like, there are so many numbers that, like, show they're the greatest in the world, but don't make sense to me. But, like, mad props, they're so great, I can't understand it. I can't fathom it. Also, I saw how much money Serena has, like, won total in prize money, not even including her sponsorships, and I could not fathom the number. Like, I know it's not all going to her. Like, she has to pay out her team and her coaches and stuff, but damn, their father was right. I respect the hustle. Anyway, watch King Richard on HBO Max. Actually, I think it's leaving streaming soon, so you might have to wait and then it'll come back, but it was a good movie. It was okay. I liked it. Will Smith did a really good job, and the little girls were really, really good. So, sisters, impressive sisters, need to include Dr. Elizabeth, and Dr. Emily Blackwell, who are noted as the first and third women to receive a medical degree in the United States. Pretty fucking cool. However, our story actually starts in Bristol, England, where the two were born, Elizabeth on February 3rd, 1821, and then Emily on October 2nd, 1826. So I'm going to focus a little more on their youth than I typically like would since that's really like the chunks of their story that are about them together and in England their dad worked at a sugar refinery but that burned down so they moved all the way to New York City 
And I, like, I kept reading this, this is like a tangent, but like, if your store burns down in like England, why not stay in England? Like they did a full hop and a leap, but I think that was more of like the writing of like some of the articles and such, because shout out to like uh, the Women's History Museum for like doing bios. Like I know that's very like hard to write bios about people and you have to make it like under a certain amount of words and everything. But it was really funny how like a lot of the articles were like, and now they're in New York City. Cause like in the 1800s, you're doing it by boat. That's like a full on journey. I digress. So the whole family moved to New York City and this was a huge family, like eight or something siblings. Like it was the two of them. And I think they had one older, two older siblings and then like six younger siblings. I am absolutely not doing that math correctly, but it's a whole crew. In New York City, their dad was a very active uh, member within like abolitionist work. And he was very vocal about like slavery, women's rights, and then also child labor. That was like a common discussion topic around like dinner table, if you will. And he, along with like the girl's aunts and like, um, I believe their mother passed away early, but mentioning their aunts and father, they were really focused on the girls getting great education. And they also had great teachers, one of whom inspired Elizabeth to teach, especially after their father died when she was 17. And at that point, they are now in Cincinnati, Ohio. So we did like a huge other land leap there, if you will. Another side note is apparently like they did science experiments in their attic and like they're like New York City attic. Blows my mind that you could have an attic in New York City. They read so much, not just with their homework and what their father, aunts and teachers taught them, but just like on their own that they honestly became amateur experts on like subjects like birds, that one's for you, Lexi, and flowers and just like very niche, but science, like science was like a backbone and like a love for theirs. And another turning point in Elizabeth's life was when a friend of hers was dying and she was very like vocal, I guess, like in a chit chat between like two friends would be that like her life and her treatment would have been so much different if she had a female physician versus only the men that were allowed to get medical degrees. Medical schools were not accepting women into their programs, but there were ways to become unlicensed physicians. So you could learn from female physicians. They just weren't licensed and probably not in the hospital you were taken to if like shit hits the fan. And jumping a few chapters in this storybook, Elizabeth is now living with other physicians who are like teaching her, mentoring her, and she's now applying to a bunch of different medical schools and kept getting rejected from everywhere except Geneva College, which is now State University of New York, Upstate Medical University. So how did she get in? The short answer is that other students kind of voted for her acceptance and like rallied around her, rallied behind her, whatever that phrase is. To say like, yes, except Elizabeth, she's going to be a great doctor. So now what's up with Emily? Well, Emily has been watching her big sis getting inspired. And she sadly did know that like, even though her sister was doing such a bang up job hitting through that glass ceiling uh, in the medical field, that even if she wanted to be a doctor herself, she cannot use her famous older sister to like help her in a way, like she had to do a lot of the work again herself. Good thing that didn't stop her because she was finally accepted into Case Western Reserve University's medical school. 
in Cleveland, Ohio. Again, skipping a whole nugget. Um, both of them as doctors traveled a lot to like study and then also further practice. And I think like Scotland was on the list. I think they traveled to like all other places in um, the UK and Europe. And at the time, like UK was way better in accepting like women into the medical field. Not great, not like all equality because that's not even a thing now, but like better than the US. Elizabeth focused on like family practice, if you will, but definitely within the family practice, women and children and like gynecology from some other sources. And she moved back to New York City and opened a clinic that helped women that could not financially afford to go to the big and shinier clinics. So we have that opened, which is fan freaking tastic. But Elizabeth did not stop with just that. So Elizabeth, Emily, and another colleague, Dr. Marie Zakareskia, I am so butchering that name, I apologize. But Dr. Marie opened the New York Infirmary for Women and Children. Emily was focusing in obstetrics, which is the surgery involving with like childbirth and such and gynecology. This infirmary provided many jobs for other women in the medical field. And during the Civil War, they actually trained nurses for union hospitals. And OMG, you would think my story is over, but alas, it's not. These medical heroes were not done. And of course, they had to open something else. And this time it was the medical college in New York City. That was primarily Elizabeth's baby. And Emily, of course, was cheering that on because when Elizabeth decided to move back to London, where she became a professor in gynecology at the new London School of Medicine for Women, Emily actually took over the medical college in New York City and like led that continuously. And I believe she stayed in the US. To the liberated peoples of the lowlands, Queen Wilhelmina of Holland is the symbol of their independence. Prince Bernhardt and then England's Air Marshal Cunningham meet her somewhere in Belgium as she returns to the continent after an absence of five years. This story has a content warning for violence, especially gun violence, and Nazis, the Holocaust, genocide, that whole circle. I have really come full circle on this show because in the pilot pilot episode, I talked about how I love badass women and fucking over Nazis. And now in the season two premiere, I am doing it again. Truce Overstegen was born on August 29th, 1923. Her sister Freddie was born September 6th, 1925, which means they are both Virgos like the podcast. I am always going to say Truce first because she is the older sister. And as an older sibling myself, I believe that the oldest's name should go first. The girls originally lived on a bar in Schotten, Schoten. Um, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, it's Dutch. They lived in the Netherlands. It's part of Harlem now, Harlem with two A's. So not like the city in New York, but the city in Northern Holland. Um, and they live with their parents, Treincha, I don't know, um, Vandermullen and Jacob Overstegen. Their parents were extremely progressive. They were hiding Lithuanian refugees well before the war even started in Europe. And they would go on to hide a Jewish couple, but when the Nazis invaded the Netherlands, they actually didn't hide any Jews because they were worried their communist views would draw too much attention. They did continue help like smuggling Jews out of Europe, but they couldn't like hide any. Truce and Freddie became volunteer nurses at the German border where they could report on Nazi activities. Uh, they also handed out anti-Nazi, anti-war propaganda, and all of this kind of drew the attention 
of the Dutch resistance. Uh, after their parents' seemingly very amicable divorce, uh, supposedly Jacob serenaded Trancha goodbye in French. Anyway, their mom became a single mother, and when Truce was 16 and Freddie was 14, she allowed the girls to be recruited into the Dutch resistance with the promise that they would always stay human. In 1943, they became members of a seven-person cell in Northern Holland, where they met Hanny Shaft, who, sneak peek, I will actually be talking more about next week. This is sort of a two-parter. Truce, Freddie, and Hanny were the only three women, which three out of seven I don't think is a bad ratio. That's pretty good for wartime even. Originally, Truce and Freddie were just supposed to like sabotage bridges and railways, supply lines, and smuggle people to safety, but they also learned to shoot guns so that they could shoot Nazis. Upon hearing this, Freddie supposedly said, well, that's something I've never done before. And kind of ironically, all the evidence points to Freddie having been the first to kill. Uh, she was sent to assassinate a woman who had a list of Jews that she was going to turn in. When Freddie found her, she asked the woman's name to make sure it was the right target and then killed her. Truce and Freddie would also do what multiple of my sources call cycle by shootings of Nazi soldiers. Truce would paddle the bike and Freddie would stand on the back and shoot. Lexi's face right now. I haven't even gotten to the best part because I've kind of buried the lead here. You may have heard because this story circles around Tumblr sometimes, you may have heard about some pretty dope sisters who seduced Nazis at bars and led them into the woods to be shot. Truce and Freddie are those sisters. They would go into bars, flirt with some Nazis, pretend to be drunk, and then invite them on a stroll through the woods and to their deaths. Sometimes they would shoot the Nazis themselves, but sometimes there were like fellow resistance people there waiting for them to be shot. Freddie would wear her hair in braids, and as the youngest, she appeared the most innocent, which would divert suspicion. True to the promise to her mother, the violence seriously weighed on the Overstegen sisters, and on multiple occasions, Freddie had the impulse to help the people she'd just shot. True said that it didn't suit them, and it only suits true criminals. They also didn't always do everything they were assigned to do. At one point, True, Freddie, and Hanny were asked to help with the kidnapping of the children of a prominent Nazi politician to exchange for prisoners. But if the exchange went sideways, the children could have been killed. And so the three of them were like, eh, no, that's fucked up. We're not doing that. That's Nazi shit. We're not doing that. Truce and Freddie both survived the war and neither of them ever told anyone how many people and Nazi collaborators they had killed because they said that they were soldiers and soldiers don't tell. They euphemistically called the assassins liquidations. Truce went on to marry a fellow resistance fighter, had four children, the first of whom she named after Hanny. Uh, she became an artist. She wrote a memoir called Not Then, Not Now, Not Ever, Lincoln Further Learning, but I, the only ones I can find are in, are in Dutch. I'm sorry. And she gave lectures on her experience. Freddie was kind of jealous of her because she got so much of the limelight, classic younger sister energy. Which is also interesting, though, because most of my sources kind of mention Freddie first and focus on her. Freddie also got married and had three children, which in her words is how she coped with the traumas of the war. In 1967, Truce and Freddie Overstegen were recognized by Yad Vashem as righteous among the nations, which is an honor given to non-Jews who helped Jews and fought Nazis. In 2014, they were both awarded the Dutch War Mobilization Cross, and there are streets named after both of them throughout Harlem. Again, Harlem in Holland, not Harlem in New York. Truce died on June 18th, 2016 at the age of 92, 
and Freddie died on September 5th, 2018, the day before she turned 93. Penny did not survive the war, but we'll get to that next week. You can find this podcast on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Lady History Pod. Our show notes and transcript of this episode and our merch will be on LadyHistoryPod.com. If you like the show, leave us a review or follow us on Patreon. And if you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. Our logo is by Alexia Ibarra. You can find her on Instagram at GirlBump.Production. Our theme music is by me, GarageBand, and Amelia Earhart. Lexi is doing the editing. You will not see us, and we will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Lady History. Next week on Lady History, Alana has a part two, and we are talking about military ladies. And I will be absolutely bitching about how every time you just Google women in the military, you only get the U.S. uh, US military and its history.